Happening now, breaking news. The Democratic presidential candidates in their final debate this year arguing over who has the best plan to take on the terrorists, lead the nation, and defeat Republicans this fall. Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders face-to-face -face for the first time since the dispute over a breach of private voter files exploded in public. Did they put their tense feud behind them? Not only do I apologize to Secretary Clinton, and I hope we can work together on an independent investigation from day one, I want to apologize to my supporters. Tonight's debate playing out in the leadoff primary state of New Hampshire, where voters could shake up the race when they cast their votes just weeks from now. I'm Wolf Blitzer in Washington. We want to welcome our viewers in the United States and around the world. This is a CNN Democratic debate special. Hello, CNN podcast fans. This is Christiana Manpour letting you know that you can now get my show in an audio podcast Monday through Friday. We bring you the latest in international news and the biggest interviews and the toughest questions for world leaders. You can also watch a lot of storytelling on CNN International, online with CNN Go, and now you can listen with the podcast. You're looking at St. Anselm College in Manchester, New Hampshire, where the Democrats are just wrapping up an often heated debate. We heard Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, and Martin O'Malley drive home their differences on critical issues, including the war against ISIS, gun control, and corporate America's political power. This debate comes just weeks before the first presidential primary season votes are cast, and it comes in the midst of a controversy pitting Sanders and Clinton camps against one another. Sanders telling Clinton early on that he's sorry that his aides got unauthorized access to Clinton's voter files, taking advantage of a problem with the DNC's computer system. Does Secretary Clinton deserve an apology tonight? Yes, I apologize. Secretary Clinton, do you accept? Not only do I apologize to Secretary Clinton, and I hope we can work together on an independent investigation from day one, I want to apologize to my supporters. This is not the type of campaign that we run, and if I find anybody else involved in this, they will also be fired. Secretary Clinton, he's apologized. How do you react? I very much appreciate uh, uh, that uh, comment, uh, Bernie. It really uh, is important that we go forward on this. All three Democratic candidates saved their toughest shots for the presidential hopefuls from the other party, especially the Republican presidential frontrunner, Donald Trump. He is becoming ISIS's best recruiter. They are going to people showing videos of Donald Trump insulting Islam and Muslims in order to recruit more radical jihadists. We have a team of correspondents, analysts, and contributors standing by live to dissect all the pivotal moments of this Democratic debate and its impact on the campaign. Let's go around the tables. We'll get reaction from all of our political correspondents, our analysts, our commentators, our experts. I want to begin with our senior Washington correspondent, Jeff Zeleny. You cover the Democrats. Jeff, uh, your major takeaways from this presidential debate. Well, if I think the biggest takeaway from this debate is that Hillary Clinton had her eye on the general election. 
throughout the course of these two hours. She you know, did not uh, relent from uh, attacking Bernie Sanders or even Martin O'Malley on these distinctions, but she has her eye on the long game here. But I think we have to start out with Bernie Sanders apologizing for really this extraordinary um, situation that's been going on for the last uh, 36 hours or so that led his campaign to file suit against the Democratic National Committee. He said he apologizes. She accepted his apology and said it is time to move on from that. But back to what each candidate was trying to do. I think that she was trying to to look ahead to the general election. Bernie Sanders is saying, not so fast. He tried to question her judgment, her judgment specifically on the Iraq war. He mentioned that at least two or three times that she voted for the Iraq war, and of course he did not. Um, and Martin O'Malley, I think, was trying to simply stay in this conversation. He was having a bit of a hard time doing that. He is uh, struggling both in Iowa and New Hampshire here. But, Wolf, there were some distinctions, some differences on taxes first and foremost. She pledged that she would not raise class, uh, taxes on the middle class. Bernie Sanders says he can't make that promise at all. So that is one of the issues that is going to be front and center here for the next six weeks or so until those Iowa caucuses. Nia Malika Henderson, you're our senior political reporter. Your major takeaway. In some ways, I think it was a status quo debate. I think people came in uh, in certain positions. I think the lead in the same position, Martin O'Malley trailing in the polls. Uh, Bernie Sanders sort of stalled out in the polls. He's about 30 percent. That seems to be his ceiling. And Hillary Clinton in a commanding place. I thought she was very strong in a way that she wasn't strong before on uh, on terror and war. I think she definitely wanted to come out uh, as more hawkish. You saw some uh, very uh, stark differences there in terms of the prosecution on the war on the war on terror on ISIS. She wants a no-fly zone. And you heard, I think, Martin O'Malley there trying to make a distinction, trying to basically uh, come forward and say he's the young generation. But I think he was trying to land punches, didn't really land them very effectively. Uh, and and, and uh, Bernie Sanders, again, struggling on guns. That's an issue uh, that, that uh, Hillary Clinton, as well as Martin O'Malley, think they can uh, score points against Sa uh, Sanders. And I think they did again tonight. David Axelrod, you're a former senior political advisor. You're also our CNN senior political commentator. You're now at the University of Chicago Institute of Politics. Uh, but when you saw this feud that developed between the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Bernie Sanders campaign, it had the potential for totally exploding. But Bernie Sanders came out right away and calmed things down. Yeah, he did the right thing, and so did she by, uh, by reaching... This, this point of accommodation and, and moving on. Look, I think the most striking thing about this debate was the distinction between it and the fracas that you moderated in Las Vegas uh, a couple of days ago, a few days ago, because there really isn't that much disagreement between these candidates. And clearly they were not. Martin O'Malley was a little aggressive with Hillary Clinton at points because he's trying to get into the game. But what's striking was a good-natured uh, a kind of banter between all of them and the humor that was shown. And the fact, the fact is, I don't think, I agree with Nia, I don't think anything happened in this debate that basically changes uh, the, the, the ordering of the candidates. The Bernie Sanders people, I think, will be very thrilled with this debate. Hillary Clinton's people will be happy, particularly on her national security performance. And I think we move on from here. It's pretty close between these two candidates, Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. Uh, Dana Bash, our, our chief political correspondent in both Iowa and New Hampshire, uh, even though nationally, in all the national polls, she's way ahead. Right. And New Hampshire is the state that um, kind of is, is the ball game uh, probably for Bernie Sanders. He's from a neighboring state. He has had done better there uh, when he kind of 
rose in the polls uh, initially. And uh, not just that, it just kind of depends on what happens with Iowa, because we all know on both sides, but maybe especially the Democratic side, uh, voters of New Hampshire like to tell Iowa, no, 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 not so fast. So if she does well in Iowa, that it might actually help Bernie Sanders for that reason. But I actually am looking at what, what Hillary Clinton said on two things uh, towards the general election. Republicans are already pouncing on her on. Uh, number one, uh, suggesting, actually saying, point blank, that that the American national security uh, position and posture is finally correct when it comes to ISIS. Jeb Bush had a, had a tweet out and a video out in a nanosecond about that, and, and other Republicans are going to as well. That, that, that is going to be definitely one of the narratives going forward from the GOP side. And the other is uh, her suggesting that Donald Trump uh, is, is actually a recruiting tool for ISIS. We're not exactly sure where she got that, but that is going to be an instant uh, question that we're going to fact check. How can she prove that? We're going to be doing a lot of fact checking, but Peter Beinert, uh, you cover this very closely. Peter Beinert is one of our political commentators, a contributing editor of The Atlantic. Uh, uh, the, the notion that ISIS is already using Donald Trump's statements about banning Muslims from coming to the United States. Have you seen evidence that ISIS is already doing that? No, I haven't. I think it'll be interesting to watch. I mean, the truth is, and this is, I think, a hard thing for Democrats and Republicans to acknowledge, the thing that ISIS uses the most is American airstrikes and drones that kill people in the Middle East that are being done by the Obama administration. That's a bigger driver of ISIS recruitment than anything that Donald Trump is saying, as reprehensible as it is. I see Cup, uh, another one of our political commentators. What's your big takeaway? Yeah, well, as, as a conservative, obviously, I was listening through, through different ears. Um, I, I, all I heard primarily was varying defenses of those sort of current status quo leave from behind strategy. Hillary talked a lot about coalitions. Coalitions seemed to be her answer for every domestic and international ill, uh, whether it was guns or ISIS. She talked about Russia probably respecting a no-fly zone. I'm not sure a lot of people trust her instincts when it comes to Russia. Bernie Sanders said he'd somehow magically be able to make Muslim nations uh, who have been unwilling to help us in the fight against ISIS somehow do this. Um, and when pressed on it, he couldn't really explain why. And I, and I think Martin O'Malley in tone and tenor tried to distinguish himself, but didn't really on substance. So I think if you're a Republican looking at a general election and you know that terrorism is top of mind to most voters, um, I think you're thinking that the Republicans are more where the nation is, where voters are, than these three Democratic candidates. But you know, if I could say, the truth is that they're right. ISIS has lost a substantial amount of territory since early this year. The strategy is actually working on the ground. doesn't mean ISIS can't plot attacks in the West, but on the ground in Iraq and Syria, ISIS really is losing territory. The majority Peter, of Americans, though, don't think that, and that's reflected. We're only, reality still matters. We're only beginning. There's a lot to dissect, a lot to assess. Up next, an eye-popping moment. Hillary Clinton vanishes and then slips back on stage. First, anyway. Sorry. We're going to begin on the economy. We want to Turn to the American jobs, wages, uh, and raises in this country. And we believe Secretary Clinton will be coming around the corner any minute. But in the meantime, we want to start with this eye-opening number. And Senator Sanders, this question goes to you first anyway. In 1995, the median American household income was $52,600 in today's money. This year, it's $53,600. That's 20 more years on the job with just a 2% raise. 
In a similar time frame, raises for CEOs up more than 200%. Sorry. All right, that was an awkward moment after the first uh, commercial break in tonight's Democratic debate. Uh, Hillary Clinton was not back at her lecture, and the moderators uh, were asking questions of the other candidates when Mrs. Clinton walked in. She apologized, as you heard. Uh, unlike this week's Republican presidential debate, tonight's Democratic debate started with, some, uh, with fighting terrorism, but also included economic issues, taxes, student debt, health care, among others. We're back with our political correspondents, our commentators, and our experts. Very quickly, Paul Begala, you're one of our political commentators. Uh, you support Hillary Clinton. I do. You work uh, with her super PAC, trying to get her elected. What was your reaction to that little awkward moment following that first commercial break? I, obviously, the candidate has no power over when the network turns the cameras on. It would have been nice to have a full stage, I suppose. I don't do this for a living. But uh, it seems to me that she showed a little humor, some grace. She just walked out very, you know, kind of calmly in, in, in convention, didn't slink out. And just one word, sorry. So I thought she showed a lot of poise. I thought ABC maybe could have maybe stretched for 30 seconds or something yeah. and give her a well, little you, more you time. Know my theory, I, I think that those tricky Sanders tech people somehow remotely locked the lady <laughs> from the door <laughs> so she couldn't get out to the stage. A little, but, a little uh, dirty politics, is that what you're, yeah. you're, you're saying? Patty Solis, though, you're one of our political commentators. You were a Hillary Clinton campaign manager way back, what, in 2008, right? Mm -hmm. What was your reaction? To that moment? Yeah. I thought it was a little rude that they started without her. I mean, she's the front runner for the, for the party right now. They could have banned her. They could have gone to George Stephanopoulos, done a panel. Uh, but to start the debate without her, I thought was just a little, not only odd, but rude. You want to weigh in? Well, it's, uh, you know, I've, it's never been easy for me to have sympathy for Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I certainly did in that moment. I thought it was pretty disgraceful that they, they went on without her and then forced forced this moment where she has to come on and make this right. sort of obvious, you know, entrance onto the stage and kind of humiliating and, and really unfair. I mean, I guess it was a good moment for her. I no think a lot of people could yeah. identify, yeah. a lot of women in particular could identify with that. And I thought the way she handled it was really, really good. I, I, I don't think she was hurt by that at all. Oh, I don't think she was either. either. That's my point. Yeah. That's my yeah. point. If she, if, if, if she gets me to sympathize in that moment, I, it, it was a win for her. Well, this horrible yeah. word. Now she's going to come out late every time. Jeff Zellery, let's get to the substance now. Guns, an important issue in this debate. Here's a little clip of what we just heard. Guns in and of themselves, in my opinion, will not make Americans safer. I think what is... <laughs> is creating much deeper, closer relations and, yes, coalitions within our own country. The first line of defense against radicalization is in the Muslim American community people who we should be welcoming and working with. I worry greatly that the rhetoric coming from the Republicans, particularly Donald Trump, is sending a message to Muslims here in the United States and literally around the world that there is a clash of civilizations, that there is some kind of Western plot or even war against Islam, which then, I believe, fans the flames of radicalization. All right, Jeff Zeleny, uh, this was an important theme, and among other things, all three of these Democratic presidential candidates using an opportunity to go after Donald Trump. No doubt, and this was, of course, the first debate um, 
uh, since the shooting in San Bernardino. So we used to talk about gun laws kind of, you know, in a background check kind of way. Now it means so much more in the wake of this. So it was definitely uh, one of those general election moments. She was looking ahead here. There are a few small differences between these Democratic candidates. Uh, Bernie Sanders, of course, has been more supportive of gun policy because he's from a hunting state, Vermont. Uh, but the differences are very minor with the Democrats compared to the differences with Republicans. But she took this moment, this opportunity to bring in Donald Trump um, once again and saying that, you know, he is not um, helping here. He's he's hurting this with the ban on Muslims and other things here. But I think that um, I think that overall, if there are any independent voters out there who are watching on a week before Christmas, um, she may look compelling to them. Um, she may look like someone who sounds more reasonable in the wake of all this. But of course, this is all going to be litigated again in the general election. I suspect there are a lot of people watching in Iowa and New Hampshire and South Carolina, some of the other states as well. Everyone stand by. Coming up, we have a reality check on a huge controversy between the Sanders and Clinton campaigns that resulted in an apology on the debate stage tonight. Stay with us. We're back with our Democratic uh, presidential debate special. One of the most significant moments tonight came when Bernie Sanders apologized to Hillary Clinton for a breach of DNC computer files. Uh, this is a huge issue, at least going into the debate, but it was quickly resolved when Bernie Sanders publicly apologized to Hillary Clinton and to his own supporters. Uh, David Axelrod, how unusual was an apology like that? Given the feud that had developed, basically, these two campaigns were accusing each other of, of, of who knows what. Well, I think the apology was smart because the fact is Bernie Sanders, folks, did do something wrong. It wasn't consistent with the nature of his campaign, and he needed to do something definitive right at the top to state that. And I think apologizing to, apologizing to his supporters as well was smart. But I also think Hillary Clinton was smart uh, to handle it the way she did. I think her campaign got a little overheated uh, yesterday in the exchanges. And she has nothing to gain from an ongoing dispute with Bernie Sanders, as has been pointed out. She's got bigger things in mind. Also, she accepted that apology pretty quickly. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah which was, as David said, smart to do. But remember, this is not your conventional debater, Bernie Sanders. Remember what he said at, at our debate, enough with your damn emails. That was not exactly politically smart for him to do, and, uh, and he did it anyway. So, you know, I think it's kind of Bernie being Bernie. But they were, there were some significant differences when it comes to this war on ISIS. Nia, Hillary Clinton is very firm saying there should be a no-fly zone. Bernie Sanders says not so fast. That's right. I mean, not only that, this idea of what to do with Assad, uh, Sanders coming down on the idea that, listen, you leave Assad there and you, you focus on ISIS uh, first, uh, and Martin O'Malley saying the same thing and, and going after Hillary Clinton uh, in terms of wanting to be too hawkish uh, in, in terms of her vote on the Iraq war as well. Uh, so so very, very a lot of differences there. I want to go back a, a bit to, the, to, to Datagate. I wonder if it really is over, right? Uh, the Bernie Sanders campaign has, I think, really been brilliant with this. Uh, they were they were in the wrong, uh, but they turned it all around and, and really became the victims, I think, in this and raised a million dollars. Well, they turned uh, it over around. This. They became the victims yeah. because the Democratic National mm -hmm. Committee mm -hmm. cut them off from That's their right. own yeah. files right. and acted precipitously. Was that a mistake by Debbie Wasserman? Oh, without question, it was. You know, Bernie Sanders, it, it, depending on what her goal was, I think it was the wrong thing to do. But I also think if, if, if as was suggested, it was somehow going to help Hillary Clinton, or she thought it was, that was the exact wrong thing Let me to ask do. Patty Solis yeah. Was Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the chair of the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, tipping the scales in favor of Hillary Clinton? Well, I think the real problem with this and what was so brilliant about Bernie Sanders is the backdrop of all of this 
is the debate on a Saturday night before Christmas where nobody is watching and they sort of follow uh, dovetails to the whole problem, right? Yeah. That, yeah. that <laughs> few debates helps Hillary Clinton. So I think the compounding both issues is the real problem. And millions that's for, of people, and, and millions that's of people I don't know how many millions, but millions of people were watching, political news junk, junkies were watching, mm. people who like to vote they probably mm. were watching, so uh, I wouldn't necessarily mm. belittle the number who were out there. Peter. Um, and I actually think that Hillary Clinton, if the campaign thought she had something to be worried about with these debates, they were wrong. Yeah. She's actually shown that she's been very yeah. good, especially since the emergence of national security. I think the biggest problem for Bernie Sanders is he's a one-trick pony. He's very, very powerful on the question of income inequality and corporate governance. But what you saw in the first debate, when it moved to gun control, he was awkward. And here, with the whole first segment being on national security, he doesn't have the same identity on these issues. He doesn't have the same command of the issues. And it allows Hillary Clinton to find it a much, much easier subject. I From think. the Republican perspective, yeah. S.E., who won this debate? Well, she did. And, and I think Peter's analysis is right. Certainly, he's not very strong on foreign policy. But also, he seems very unwilling maybe to take the dirty victory, right? I mean, he was very conciliatory, uh, very sorry, um, very statesman-like. Um, David talked about their, you know, fun banter. That's great, but it's not going to move you up in the polls. So if Bernie Sanders wants to stay high-minded, well, that's lovely. But Bernie Sanders is going to stay at 30%. But, but Bernie's way to move up is not by tearing her down. Hillary has a very high favorable rating among Sanders voters. They like her. They just like Bernie more. So that, that was a bad idea, I think, for him to... That's why he's not doing it. Politicians do what's in their political interest. He's not doing it because it doesn't work. As this data thing exploded, I kept thinking of the, of, of the words of great legendary newsman, your friend, Wolf, Ron Burgundy, who said, well, that escalated. <laughs> that escalated so quickly. Immediately, the Democratic National Committee goes nuclear and cuts yep. him off all access. Mm -hmm. Then Bernie goes nuclear and files yes. a federal lawsuit. It's like, holy smokes, guys. Just like, yeah. let's calm down and sort this out. And I do think David is right that the Democratic Party has made a mistake here. If you're for Hillary, and I am, you don't want to get into this story. You know, Napoleon said, never interrupt your opponent when he's destroying himself. Mm -hmm. Bernie's a deeply ethical man. He's a highly principled man. His campaign did a really dirty thing. He handled it right tonight, but the campaign really screwed up. If, if everybody else had just shut up, it would have actually gone, gone, uh, been more damaging to Bernie than the Democratic Party cutting him off. Access yes, to what I here's what I want to do. Uh, I want to tell our viewers uh, here in the United States and around the world, it was a two-hour-plus debate. If you missed it, we've got some of the highlights for you right now. What I have a real problem with, and as you mentioned, this is a problem. I recognize it is a problem. But what the DNC did arbitrarily, without discussing it with us, is shut off our access to our own information, crippling our campaign. That is an egregious act. I'm glad that late last night that was resolved. Fourthly, I work, look forward to working with Secretary Clinton for an investigation, an independent investigation, about all of the breaches that have occurred from day one in this campaign, because I am not convinced that information from our campaign may not have ended up in her campaign. Don't know that. Not only do I apologize to Secretary Clinton, and I hope we can work together on an independent investigation from day one, I want to apologize to my supporters. This is not the type of campaign that we run. And if I find anybody else involved in this, they will also be fired. Now that I think, you know, we've resolved your data, we've uh, agreed on a 
independent uh, inquiry, we should move on. You want to know why things don't get done in Washington? Because for the last 24 hours, with those issues being so urgent to people as they tune in tonight, wondering how they're going to you know, even be able to buy presents for their kids, instead, we're listening to the bickering back and forth. Maybe that's normal politics in Washington, but that is not the politics of higher purpose that people expect from our party. I worry greatly that the rhetoric coming from the Republicans, particularly Donald Trump, is sending a message to Muslims here in the United States and literally around the world that there is a clash of civilizations, that there is some kind of Western plot or even war against Islam, which then, I believe, fans the flames of radicalization. Martha, thank you, Senator uh, Sanders. This, I think we're going to go on. We want to touch on one something of those that, issues that Governor really separates Governor, us on we this do. stage, David. Excuse me, no. Governor, no, you know, we David, have to abide by the rules the here. We'll call on you here shortly. But I do want to pick up on something. It's actually passed comprehensive gun safety legislation with a ban on combat assault weapons, David. And look, there are profound differences in this race on this issue. We can do all the great speeches we want, but you ain't going to succeed unless there is a consensus. Right. In 1988, just to set the record straight, Governor, I ran for the U.S. House. We have one House member from Vermont, three candidates in the race. One candidate said, you know what, I don't think it's a great idea that we sell automatic weapons in this country that are used by the military to kill people very rapidly. Gun people said there were three candidates in the race, you vote for one of the others, but not Bernie Sanders. I lost that election by three percentage points, quite likely for that reason. So please, do not explain to me, coming from a state where Democratic governors and Republican governors have supported virtually no gun control. Don't, don't, don't excuse me, excuse me, control. do not tell me that, that I have not shown courage in standing up to the gun people, in voting to ban assault weapons, voting for instant background checks, voting to end the gun show loophole, and now in a position to create a consensus in America on gun safety. Senator, thank Well, I think a lot of people are understandably reacting out of fear and anxiety uh, about what they're seeing. First, what they saw in Paris, now what they have seen in San Bernardino. Um, and Mr. Trump has a great capacity uh, to use bluster and bigotry to inflame people and to make them think there are easy answers to very complex questions. And we also need to make sure that the really discriminatory messages that Trump is sending around the world don't fall on receptive ears. He is becoming ISIS's best recruiter. They are going to people showing videos of Donald Trump insulting Islam and Muslims in order to recruit more radical jihadists. And I say this with due respect, that I worry too much that Secretary Clinton is too much into regime change and a little bit too aggressive without knowing what the unintended consequences might be. But I'll tell you what would have happened if we had not joined with our European partners and our Arab partners to assist the people in Libya, you would be looking at Syria. Raises for CEOs up more than 200 percent. Sorry. Should corporate America love Hillary Clinton? Everybody should. With respect to my own husband, I am probably still going to pick the flowers and the china uh, for state dinners and stuff like that. 
A little uh, synopsis and some of the highlights of this two-hour-plus uh, Democratic presidential debate. Uh, Dana Bash, uh, Hillary Clinton is a very good debater. I think it's, she's made it clear on repeated occasions. David Axelrod can testify in 2007, 2008. Yes, still have she was a very good debater as well. Didn't get her the nomination. Right. But she did well tonight. Oh, absolutely, she did well. And, uh, you know, I agree with the, the Democrats who are here on this panel in saying that, you know, the, the, the DNC, whomever... Uh, was worried about her debating was it was was crazy basically the accusation against the dnc only six debates exactly. the republicans had many more and some no. of these debates on a weekend on a saturday night when exactly. most people aren't home yes. saturday before christmas exactly yeah. look and to be fair we don't know exactly who did it and why and so on and so forth but yes of course she had she has a lot of experience at this uh she did it how, how many times during the Democratic? 25. But who's counting? Yes. And um, during 2008. That was eight years ago. Right, during 2008. Just yesterday to me, Wolf. <laughs> and, and, but look, the bottom line is that the Republicans, I, the most interesting thing to me to be reading is the Republicans on Twitter because they are watching her and dissecting everything she does with a fine-tooth comb because... They just, I mean, unless something crazy happens, they are sure that she is going to be there. Well, she is someone, David, she is someone with a long record going back to 1992 when her husband was elected president of the United There's States. There's no question about it. Now, part of that is an advantage because there are a lot of things that are baked in the cake that are not going to be particularly effective against her. But I want to talk about something that Essie said uh, in terms of uh, foreign policy and national security. I was struck in this debate about how utterly confident she was in talking about these issues. If I were a Republican strategist and I were being honest with myself, I'd say, you know what? She's not going to fall over when we start talking about national security. She's got great command uh, of these issues, and she's very confident when she speaks of it. I think that was probably the strongest part of her performance. Four years tonight. as a Secretary of State, I'll give you a lot of confidence in talking about national security, Jeff. Well, that's one of the things. I mean, campaigns don't always end as they start it. We thought this was going to be a Democratic campaign at the very beginning about income inequality, about her connections to Wall Street. Well, it has turned because of tragic events in the world to a national security uh, campaign. That plays so into her strengths. So the DNC made a miscalculation. I agree with Dan. And they were trying to help her. There's no question about it. But now the question is, have they sort of hurt her by sort of, you know, shielding her from a, a massive national audience here? But, I mean, she'll have plenty of time uh, to do this. But uh, that's what I'm so struck by. You know, the uh, economic issues that we thought this was all going to revolve around, the talk of Elizabeth Warren maybe jumping in because of income inequality, those things are set aside. This is a, a, a different campaign now. It's on national security from here forward. And, and there, was a, there was an excellent uh, example of the differences between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton when it comes to uh, regime change in some countries in North Africa and the Middle East. Uh, listen first to Bernie Sanders. The I have a difference of opinion uh, with Secretary Clinton on this. Our differences uh, are fairly deep on this issue. We disagreed on the war in Iraq. We both listened to the information from Bush and Cheney. I voted against the war. But I think, and I say this with due respect, that I worry too much that Secretary Clinton is too much into regime change and a little bit too aggressive without knowing what the unintended consequences might be. We, yes, we could get rid of Saddam Hussein, but that destabilized the entire region. Yes, we could get rid of Gaddafi, a terrible dictator, but that created a vacuum for ISIS. Yes, we could get rid of Assad tomorrow, 
but that would create another political vacuum that would benefit ISIS. So I think, yeah, regime change is easy. Getting rid of dictators is easy. But before you do that, you got to think about what happens the day after. All right, Peter Beiner, did he make his case strongly? Um, yeah, what's fascinating here is you have a cross-cutting debate within both parties. Mm -hmm. Bernie mm -hmm. Sanders sounding a little bit like Ted Cruz, mm -hmm. who is attacking like Marco Rubio yeah. on exactly the same grounds, right? The one, a kind of more realist position, which stick with the bad dictators who at least provide stability. The other view being that we have to overthrow those dictators because they are the cause of the instability that's producing jihadist terrorism. This will be a very different general election debate if she's standing up there against Trump or Cruz. But, uh, but Trump doesn't disagree with him when it comes to this. He makes many of these very right, same points. Right. So the point is, if Hillary is running against Trump or Cruz, she will be running against someone who was against the Libya intervention mm -hmm. and who even says that, that they were against the Iraq war. If she's running against Rubio, she will be against someone who actually has a view that's more yeah. similar to her own. All right, listen to Hillary Clinton. Uh, she spoke out on regime change as well, defending her stance. It's exactly what I just said and what I just described. Yeah, but and that is Clinton, important Secretary because Clinton. now we have a U.N. Security Council that will enable us to do that. And, you know, with all due respect, Senator, you voted for regime change with respect to Libya. You joined the Senate in voting to get rid of Gaddafi, and you asked that there be a Security Council validation of that with a resolution. All of these are very difficult issues. I know that. I've been dealing with them for a long time. And of course, we have to continue to do what is necessary when someone like Gaddafi, a despot with American blood on his hands, is overturned. But I'll tell you what would have happened if we had not joined with our European partners and our Arab partners to assist the people in Libya, you would be looking at Syria. Now the Libyans are turning their attention to try to dislodge ISIS from its foothold and began to try to move together to have a unified nation. I was not the Secretary Senator of State. Sanders. Paul Begala, uh, I know you support Hillary Clinton, uh, but is she vulnerable when it comes to Libya, which is a total mess right now? ISIS is taking over huge chunks of Libya. Gaddafi may, have, may be gone, uh, and yes, he was a dictator, but in the end, he was actually cooperating with the U.S., gave up his nuclear program, compensated the Pan Am 103 victims. Was it a blunder to get rid of Gaddafi in exchange for the... ISIS developments in, in northern uh, Africa right now. Well, Muammar Gaddafi killed a lot more Americans than Saddam Hussein ever did before we invaded his country. Okay, he has, he did, he does have, did have a lot of American blood. He bombed a discotheque in West Berlin, back when there was a West Berlin, with American, filled with American soldiers. He took down an airplane filled with uh, uh, Americans. He, he was a terrorist. What people want this politically is strength, mm. certainty, command, and and it's important to have. Experts like Peter and others go through line by line, and it's really, really important. But what voters do is they get a sense, is this somebody who's strong? Usually for Democrats, that's a harder burden. Often for women, it's a harder burden. And here's a Democratic woman who is seen as stronger on terrorism than any of the Republican the criticism, men. That the criticism well, is leveled against her and President Obama, for that matter, and all of those, including Marco Rubio, who supported getting rid of Gaddafi, is they didn't have a game plan to follow up and make sure that there would be some democracy, some sort of peaceful situation in Libya that would emerge in the aftermath of Gaddafi. Right, and people want to know going forward what is going to happen next. I thought it was interesting that she'd had the briefing book, and she said, well, yeah, Bernie, you voted 
for regime change there as well. He's a really well. And his answer was his answer was not very good, which is well, you were the Secretary of State. Well, you were a United States senator voting on this. But you know what's really interesting to me is not the 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 attack and byplay, but what how basically meek. Uh, the others were, particularly Bernie, in, in leveling it. If you really wanted to hurt her, you would say, you sound more like those people we heard on the stage last week in Vegas uh, than you do a Democrat. He didn't do it, and he didn't attack in other ways where he could have, because I think it's in, on some level he expects her to be the Democratic yeah. nominee. Uh, yeah, look, she's a, she's a formidable debater. You're all right. But she didn't really get a lot of challenges tonight. I mean, if, if you can imagine her saying at a general election debate, touting her record of coalition building in Iran and Libya, you better believe someone on that stage, whoever it is, is going to have something to say so about it. So how would, let's say, Donald Trump yeah. or Marco Rubio or Ted Cruz <laughs> deal with her on this issue of regime change? Uh, well, whether it's regime change, whether it's trusting Russia to uh, respect an, uh, a no-fly zone, um, her, her coalition building in Iran, I mean, any Republican, and, and we've got wide diversity of intellectual opinion on foreign policy, but any Republican is going to go after her competency, is going to go after her decision-making, yes. her judgment, when it comes and to foreign policy. Yes, hold, on, hold on, Patty. Go ahead, respond to that. Well, what struck me about that exchange that she invoked her experience as Secretary of State, as Senator, uh, working with foreign leaders. There is not anyone on the stage tonight or anyone on the stage in Las Vegas who has any of that kind of experience whatsoever. And so I agree with Paul. Voters are going to see her competency as she debates them. And she comes out the winner, I think. The problem is, the problem is that, though, that Americans right now don't think that Barack Obama is doing a very good job in fighting terrorism. I actually happen to think that he probably gets, deserves more credit than he's getting, but most Americans don't think he's doing a good job. And so she, as his former Secretary of State, is the inheritor of that. Now, she can say, I wanted to pursue a different policy mm. in Syria, but she is basically wedded to his foreign policy. And so if Obama's foreign policy continues to deteriorate in public opinion, that hurts her. She did try Republicans did. data respond to Hillary Clinton. Well, I think that it, what you just heard, the, the bottom line is, and I think what makes this election so fascinating is the fact that there is a divide within each party that we saw displayed now over the last week on the two debate stages uh, about regime change versus mm -hmm. keeping dictators in place because it just is, is more realistic, realism. But the, the bottom line is, if you're a Republican in the general election, all you're going to do is Benghazi. And, you know, you name your issue. Russian reset. Russian mm -hmm. reset. That, yes, she was secretary of state. Yes, she has command of the issues. Rhetorically, she understands them. But they're going to say she didn't execute them properly across the board. That is, I mean, the playbook is already written. Yeah. She had quite a workout on Benghazi in October, and it didn't work out badly for her. But, but on, on, on Peter's point, uh, I, I think it's not just a matter of her being Obama's secretary of state. I think people also, as Paul said, look at the style of the person and her style is so distinct from Barack Obama and she comes off frankly she, you know he's a little more reflective uh, on these issues she's more muscular mm -hmm. uh, on these issues I think we saw some of that tonight so I don't think it's going to be as easy as perhaps some Republicans think. All right guys stand by for a moment coming up Hillary Clinton zeroing in on Donald Trump tonight slamming his inflammatory rhetoric on Muslims. He is becoming ISIS's best recruiter. They are going to people showing videos of Donald Trump insulting Islam and Muslims in order to recruit more radical jihadists.
Welcome back. I'm Wolf Blitzer in Washington. One of the most significant moments of tonight's Democratic presidential debate came, came when Bernie Sanders apologized to Hillary Clinton for a breach of the DNC computer files. Tom Foreman is here with a closer look at what the controversy is all about. Tom? Wolf, I'll explain to you in one minute what this complex issue is all about. Simply put, when we talk about this server idea, what we're saying is that the DNC operates essentially a warehouse of information. It's a computer with a lot of information in it that the campaigns can all benefit from. That computer, however, also allows each of these campaigns to sort of have their own area that is unique to them and that has information that only they can get to. So everybody's connected to their part of the warehouse, in a sense. The people who oversaw the warehouse allowed the walls to come down between these chambers accidentally. When that happened, all of a sudden, somebody from the Sanders camp went into the Clinton camp and looked around. They say it was an accident, only happened a little time, a small incident. DNC says, now we think it happened a lot, and maybe you rummaged through her files before you went back and said, hey, there's a problem here. That is the problem, and it's still not decided, Wolf, as to exactly what happened, even as they try to be nice. Certainly not. Uh, all right, well, we'll see how that falls out. Uh, there was also a lot of bashing of Donald Trump, the Republican presidential frontrunner. Listen to this clip from uh, Bernie Sanders. Somebody like a Trump comes along and says, I know the answers. The answer is that all of the Mexicans, they're criminals and rapists. We got to hate the Mexicans. Those are your enemies. We hate all the Muslims because all of the Muslims are terrorists. We got to hate the Muslims. Meanwhile, the rich get richer. So what I say to those people who go to Donald Trump's rallies, understand, he thinks a low minimum wage in America is a good idea. He thinks low wages are a good idea. I believe we stand together to address the real issues facing this country, not allow them to divide us by race or where we come from. Let's create an America that works for all of us, not the handful on top. I don't know if uh, Donald Trump, but maybe somebody can check, has already tweeted reacting yes. to some of this. But, Nia, but it's, it's still uh, very strong words against the Republican presidential frontrunner, which I suspect in a conservative Republican contest could help Donald Trump. Yeah, I think in some ways he was really the only uh, candidate on the Republican side uh, that they mentioned. The uh, Democrats have been uh, involved in this rebranding campaign, right, trying to rebrand the Republican Party uh, as the party of Trump and not as the party of Lincoln. In some ways, I'm surprised he wasn't mentioned more because he's such a magnet for applause in those kinds of audience uh, and just for, for donors and excitement from, from Democrats. Uh, they very much uh, see Donald Trump as, 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 as anathema to some of their, their values and, and their beliefs. Uh, so not a surprise that he came up over and over again uh, in this debate. You've seen Hillary Clinton really go after him in speeches. She's launched this whole love, not hate campaign around some of his remarks, and I, I suspect it'll continue. It's funny that you mentioned whether he would respond on Twitter, because I had already looked at it. I just saw one of them. Uh, all I heard from the debate is a pathway to citizenship for all and taking our guns away. Hashtag try me. That's a, 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 tweet, a tweet from at real Donald Trump. Uh, uh, listen to this. Uh, this is Hillary Clinton speaking about Trump. Trump has a great capacity uh, to use bluster and bigotry to inflame people and to make them think there are easy answers to very complex questions. Very uh, more strong words, uh, David Axelbaum. But you think this is clearly uh, going to be the theme 
of the Democrats. There are a lot of them already assuming he's got a shot. He's got a shot at getting the Republican Remember, nomination. The mission of the Republican Party after the last election was outreach to minorities, outreach to younger voters, outreach to women. Donald Trump is destroying that project, and Democrats are going to hold him up as the bright, shiny object he is mm -hmm. until and if and unless he goes away. The Clinton campaign hopes Donald Trump is the nominee, but most of them, if you talk to them in an honest moment, they do not believe he actually will be. So the person that they are still most fearful of is Marco Rubio. And they're also beginning to wonder about, um, um, you know, if, if uh, uh, Ted um, Cruz. Senator Ted Cruz, yeah. thank you. I so know many where Republicans, you're going. I couldn't think. <laughs> if Ted Cruz is going to emerge from that. But Trump is good for everyone's base because it makes, you know, these Democrats uh, sound tough. Oh, but they don't think he's well, going to be the there's nominee. There's a reason only one Republican candidate was mentioned, and that is because Democrats want to hold Trump up as the proxy for the party. This is why for so long I have been. Um, sort of lamenting the <laughs> advent of Trump because it is so easy to use his rhetoric and his bombast and his ridiculous policy proposals to paint the whole of the party, all of whom primarily denounce a lot of the things that, that he says, most well, of whom. Except for um, the front-running other candidates yeah. well, who won't no, denounce him. Most of whom do, but, but um, do denounce him but as, as the same. And that's, that's a huge problem for our party. As David said, we had actually made significant progress in the years since 2012 in outreach to women, in outreach to younger voters, in outreach to minorities. And um, he is, the damage that he's doing is not just right now. It is lasting. It is immeasurable. And uh, it has, you know, conservatives like... Paul Begala, if Hillary Clinton is the Democratic presidential nominee, who would she rather face? Donald Trump, Marco Rubio, or Ted Cruz? Well, as you know, I don't communicate with her at all. I don't have any contact with her, but I, I, can, I, can, challenge, I can channel her mind right now, <laughs> a la Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hearing... I'm, I'm seeing orange in the face. I'm seeing wild hair. It's either a Wookiee or, let me think... Donald Trump. Yeah. That's amazing. Right? And it's not, it's, you know, the, problem is, the problem is beyond Trump. Just as happened in 2012, Trump has moved the debate, especially on immigration, so far to the right that now Ted Cruz, who really could be the nominee, is saying not only he doesn't support a path to citizenship, but he will not support any legalization of undocumented immigrants. So Trump has moved the debate so far that even the candidates who are considered more moderate than him, I think, are moving to a place where it'll be hard for them to win Hispanic votes. And Wolf, on that note, what I read to you was actually a retweet. He also retweeted one that said Donald Trump won the debate, and I think this conversation might actually show that. Well, he, clearly he's still the he, he Republican was, he, maybe, maybe he didn't win it, but runner. he was definitely But what people say to you, uh, David Axelrod, be careful what you wish for. If you're a Democrat and you wish that Donald Trump were the Republican nominee, uh, he's been very, very surprisingly strong so far. He has. Look, I was one of the many who didn't think he'd get this far. So there is that element of fear because he has, you know, even though he wants a wall on the border, he knows no boundaries himself. Mm -hmm. And he'll say or do anything <laughs> uh, to advance his political. It's an old one. I've used, I've, used, I've used it before, but not on CNN. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so, you know, I I think that there is that element of, of, of risk with him as the nominee. But I, at the end of the day, he is so out of the mainstream on s uh, several issues that I think it would be very difficult for people to, at the end of the, go in the booth, punch that button, a majority of Americans, 
I don't see it. I think Hillary Clinton wins that race and wins it by not a little. You know, I, I want to move on and talk a little bit about some other subjects. But, Patty, I want you to react because I was a young reporter in 1980 when White House officials of the Jimmy Carter administration were high-fiving each other when Ronald Reagan, someone they called this B-level Hollywood actor, got the Republican nomination. And they simply assumed it was over. Jimmy Carter would be reelected president of the United States. We all know what, what happened after that. Uh, don't, don't be so sure that Donald Trump, if he is the Republican nominee, he's, he's going to lose, right? No, I think he's going to lose. <laughs> We're talking about 270 electoral votes. We're talking about a coalition that Barack Obama built in 2012 of Hispanics, of African Americans, of women. And there is not a shot in heck that Donald Trump can build that kind of coalition or even whittle away a small percentage of those votes away from the Democratic And well, party. somebody has to confident. stand up for Ronald Reagan, okay? Yeah. I want to stand up for <laughs> Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was a serious person. He was a two-term governor of the largest state in this country. He had a record in public life. And by today's Republican standards, he was, he was on the I, left. I totally agree. I'm only pointing out that White House officials no, at that time were belittling him no. as a Hollywood actor. Okay, okay. Keep in mind, then, along David's point, Ronald Reagan got 37% of the Hispanic vote. It was a much smaller vote then, but he got 30 coming from a state with the largest Hispanic population, he said this, Hispanics are Republicans. They just don't know it yet. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's inclusive. It's welcoming. It's classic Reagan. That is not what Mr. Trump is saying to people. Especially we also Latinos. don't know what Donald Trump uh, uh, would stand for in a general election. He's shown that he's uh, sort of flexible, shall we say, on policies. So if he got the nomination, who knows what uh, mm -hmm. you know, he would campaign on and support. Whatever, yeah, I think it that makes it It'll be terrific. Does he bring new voters uh, to the electorate? I mean, part of the theory from 2012 uh, is that all of these millions of white voters stayed home. That's in some ways been uh, debunked, but that's one theory that you hear in conservative circles. Six million white voters stayed home. You know, would, would more people come out? I think it's fair to say all of us have been surprised at how well Donald Trump has been doing over these past six months. We'll see if he can Amen. continue that as well. Coming up, Hillary Clinton defends her ties to big business, gets a laugh along the way. Should corporate America love Hillary Clinton? Everybody should. Thank you for listening to the CNN podcast. To get more podcasts from us, just search CNN and iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.